Oh, we got the air conditioner going. Oh, it's getting warm. It's getting warm in New Mexico here at the uh, infamous Nicky Olegatura Studios where we make the Overnight Scape Central. I am PQ River. And, uh, yeah, things are a little slow here, as you may have noticed. But uh, we have Shambles Constant with his entry on the White Album, which I am very much looking forward to. And then Frank Edward Nora, he was the only one to pitch in on the Yellow Submarine album, which, I don't know. Uh, Well, I I imagine he will be speaking of the film as well, which I will have some comments on, as well as the album and its contents. Uh, But it really is only a half an album because side two of the Yellow Submarine album, at least in the United States, was uh, instrumental, incidental music from the film, uh, without the Beatles at all. And me, I remember, and I wish I had it. I, I wish, well, I would still, I would have sold it years ago. But I was given a copy of the Yellow Submarine album when it came out. It had one problem. Both sides were side two. I don't know how that happens, but I would swear to you, and I think my brother could back me up on, he's probably the only person still living who could, but we, for years and years, had a copy of Yellow Submarine that had no Beatles songs on it. It was just two side twos of instrumental, incidental music. Oh, man, can you imagine? I mean, I I looked around on the Internet recently and no mention of any such thing. So this was like a real unique and one of a kind item that, man, I could only imagine what. Although if it was two side ones, I bet you it would be worth about 10 times as much as two side twos. I mean, you would have to be, well, collectors, they're afraid to play their records anyway, so that's not a point anymore. Back in the day, they played their records, and they had all these special styluses and cleaners. And But today, yeah, the real collectors, they, they download a flax somewhere, and they leave the records sealed in plastic, I would imagine. But all that aside, we're here to talk about when music was far simpler, a much more wonderful time i really think um for uh, i that i lived through the 60s and 70s i really in a lot of ways that think of that as like some of the greatest of times especially pop culture and music yes now ironically we have much better access to a lot of it and it's just you can do it i mean Back in the day, how many people did anybody know who had more than, like, at their record collection, what was it, 40 albums, 50 albums? It tops, and that was like some sort of, what are you, some sort of record nut? And people had a lot of 45s back then because, yeah, you know, the singles were like a real thing. I now, I don't know, do they even, well, I don't, they only make 45 rpm singles as some sort of novelty and once again we brought ourselves back let us just hand the floor over to the amazing shambles constant and uh, let's see his take on the white album 
a very light mist at the moment. Very light. So I briefly thought maybe I don't want to go for a walk, but yeah, I'm gonna take a little walk around the block. Working from home today. But uh, I need to step away from the screen because I'm looking at screens too much these days. Need to cut that out a little bit. Uh, you know, yeah, as long as it stays like this and doesn't rain any harder, it's, it's fine. It feels kind of nice, actually. But it's sort of dreary. We're supposed to get storms later today. And I'm recording for the Overnight Escape Central show starring PQ River and a host of hosts. <laughs> um, this is for the uh, White Album episode. We are talking about the Beatles' White Album. And I'm just going to go into generalities right now. And then um, later on today I'll record some more and talk about the specific songs because there's a lot about the White Album. Um, I love the White Album. Let me... Okay, and before I go into that, though, um, I do still... There are still two albums that I need to talk about. Um, Beatles for Sale and Magical Mystery Tour. And um, I have not yet listened to the central episodes for either of those albums, which I'm itching to, so I will probably need to do my recording very soon, send it to PQ, and he can um, insert it into whatever kind of program he wants. Um, I'll probably be jabbering for a while on that one as well, so <laughs> um, which is fine. Um, but I'm itching to listen to those episodes and hear what you guys had to say. Um, and I'm passing a house on my block that is house 209. It's 209 on my street. And uh, 209 is a, a big number for Onsug, the Overnight Scape Underground, and the Frank Edward Nora Man, and, and the Motor Excursion Ruffians, and Brian, and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's a whole thing. Check out the Hansug uh, archives if you don't believe me. I know, I know. <laughs> the truth is out there, baby. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I know Beatles for Sale, I'll be like, eh, I mean, there's some good songs and there's also some so-so uh, songs. Magical Mystery Tour, I'm mostly gonna be raving about. And um, I don't, you know what, also, I was all ready to trash the movie, just completely trash it, because I've seen it a couple of times and was very unimpressed, nonplussed, and just, you know, what the fuck, basically. But then I was listening to Frank doing um, the Overnight Scape 2000, um, the big 20th anniversary episode, part three, where he... Uh, had a couple good things to say about the movie, and um, again, I'm eager to hear the central episode about that, but I thought, well, you know, I should give the movie another chance, because it's been a long time. I have the DVD, 
I should give it another chance. So maybe I can get that watched. I think it's only about an hour. So, um, I mean, I was all prepared to just say, the music is amazing, the videos are great, everything else about the movie sucks, but I will give it another chance. So, but anyway, we hit upon the White Album, or just The Beatles, as it was called, um, officially. With just a, a plain white cover, it's, it's as far removed from Sgt. Pepper as you could probably get and still be The Beatles. In that it's this, it's that very stripped down. Well, that that seems to be they the way they recorded a lot of the songs. Um, they made their trip to India, met the Maharishi Maheshogi guy, and eventually became disillusioned with him. And Ringo didn't like the food anyway, so they left. Um, you know, the Maharishi's like, "Why are you leaving?" And, John's like, if you're so fucking cosmic, you'll know why. You know, with his <laughs> typical satirical bite. And, um, but uh, they wrote a lot of music, a lot of songs in India and inspired by their trip to India. There is a song that Lennon wrote called India, India which is a gorgeous song, and God, I wish it was on the White Album. I think it's, it might be on the extended one, um, you know, with all the extra outtakes and stuff like that, but it's, it is a gorgeous song, and I dearly wish it was on the White Album, but it's not. Um, I had gotten it on freaking, you remember uh, Napster? <laughs> Back in, like, 2000. Um, I just, uh, when, when Napster was in its heyday, I downloaded a ton of Beatles stuff, you know, like outtakes and stuff, and a lot of, a lot of stuff that was from the recording, you know, the get back sessions, and some other outtakes from earlier. India, India was one of them, and God, I just, I love it. But, uh, you know, and then there's other ones from around that time, Step Inside Love slash Los Paranoias, um, George did Circles, I want to say. This is kind of off the top of my head. Um, I think the original version of Junk was from around that time. Um, you know, that McCartney later uh, released on his first solo album. But, you know, they were in India with, like, Donovan and... What, what's her name that they did? Prudence Farrow? And some other people, some of the Beach Boys, and you know, it was this big trip to India. Kind of wish that was the movie. <laughs> kind of wish that was like the 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 Beatles go to India. I would watch the shit out of that movie. <laughs> but um, yeah, seriously, can you imagine? <laughs> but uh, they, uh, you know, they they did all these songs and. Um, they ended up with this double album worth of material, but a lot of the songs are the, the four of them writing and recording separately for the most part. Um, yeah, but some of the, some of the demos from that time were recorded actually in India and I love listening to those too. I love listening to where they're just sitting around and 
just playing acoustic. That was kind of where it started. You know, they had had these big studio um, extravaganzas with like Sgt. Pepper and, you know, the Magical Mystery Tour songs and some of the other stuff. And, you know, and uh, this was definitely more stripped down. Um, I mean, studio recordings later, you know, were enhanced some more, but even so, there's there's more of a stripped-down feel to the White Album, which, uh, it's, it's a fascinating album. It's definitely not my favorite Beatles album by any, any stretch. Um, there were several, there were several that I put ahead of it, but it's, it is, it is up there, and I have done, and I think probably just about all Beatles fans have done the thing where you figure out, okay, if this was condensed into a single album, which songs would you end up putting on it, and in what order, um, what would you cut and why, and so that, that's, a, that's always a fun exercise, you know, for the organizing or reorganizing the Beatles music, but particularly for the White Album, since the way it's, the, being a double album, it's kind of unique. And, uh, you know, do you cut Revolution 9? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll get into that. Um, I like Revolution 9, but I, I... And I know that its inclusion on the White Album, you know, it's hard to imagine the White Album being without it, but I sort of feel like it didn't belong on the White Album. Maybe they should have had something else in there, like uh, What's the New Mary Jane, or... That could have been a spot for India, India, you know? Um, but, uh, I mean, that's neither here nor there, but yeah, I'll get into the Revolution 9, and, and that may be me being a bit hypocritical because, I, you know, I've done some sound collage stuff myself, so I admire that, and I've kind of, I've even been a little bit inspired by some of Lennon's stuff, but I don't know that it belonged on the White Album, per se, so that's, uh, that's something that I have debated, um, privately to myself for years and years, and I'll never come to a solid resolution on it, and it's gonna be one of those things, so I'm a little out of shape. <laughs> I'm walking around my neighborhood, and my sight hurts a little bit. I need to, as we're getting into spring, further into spring, um, I need to exercise more. Um, today's a pretty lousy weather day, but later in the week hopefully it'll be better, and so-so, uh, you know. But, um, but yeah, the White Album, I, oh my gosh, it's, uh, I guess it's kind of hard to think of all this just on the spot. Um, and talk about it all. Um, I need to fact check myself or if I'm giving any, any incorrect, you know, uh, any fake facts about it. Somebody, please call me out. Um, I don't mind that a bit. I'd, I want to try to represent this as fairly as I can, and, you know, in terms of how, how the shit went down, <laughs> basically. But, uh, yeah, but it's, it's a fascinating time in there history. And it was like, it was also, wasn't it right as Brian Epstein 
what, didn't he die while they were in India or around that time, like right before they left or something like that? Because I remember they had the quote where the Beatles were sitting around and, you know, they were talking about Epstein's death and, you know, saying um, the Maharishi had told them, you know, just send out your thoughts and your thoughts will travel to him wherever he is. And, you know, so that seemed to be a comfort to them, you know, because, of course, he had been a big part of their early career. And, you know, there's definitely a a change in the status quo for the Beatles after Epstein died, you know, going to getting Apple records going and everything and um, all the craziness that resulted from that. So, yeah, I'm actually getting a little out of breath at the moment, Whew, but I'm almost home. So um, I think perhaps I'll just cut it off there and then I'll come back and record later today. The trip for you will be instantaneous, um, unless PQ interrupts it. <laughs> PQ's like, nope, I'm going to talk, and then I'll let you talk, which is fine. This would be a good place to do that if you want to, PQ. I'll be, I'll be back. I'll be back. Never could see any other way. Never could see any other way. <clears throat> okay, I'm back. It's actually a couple days later by my own timeline. Um, I didn't get to record later in the day on Tuesday like I had hoped, and uh, so I want to get this out. And uh, anywho, I'm trying to remember what all I talked about concerning the White Album. Um, it was kind of a uh, an overview there, and um, so let's just go through the songs. Uh, I'm not going to go quite as in depth as I was going to. Um, it's been a very, very busy week, so just, uh, you know, get this recorded and, uh, you know, talk briefly about each song. So the White Album starts off with Back in the USSR, which, you know, um, it's kind of a, kind of a takeoff on, uh, the Beach Boys and, um, um, I think the song was Chuck Berry originally back in the USA, um, you know, and it's it's sort of an odd take. Like you wouldn't really expect um, uh, a rock band in the late '60s to be singing about about the USSR and about uh, you know the girls and you know it's just um, it's kind of a crazy song, but it's it's a really good good one to start off with. Um, and then you got. Dear Prudence, which is one of my favorite songs of all time, Beatles or not Beatles, um, it's just a beautiful song, you know, and apparently that was, what was it, uh, Prudence Faro, um, was having a bad trip and like she, she didn't want to come out and, you know, it's, it's, they're trying to coax her out and that's basically what the song is, uh, is about, um, you know, let's look around, there's this beautiful world out there, it's, you know, um, like the song is so full of just possibility and promise and um i really love it um glass onion um that one of course is some uh very careful uh wordplay and um you know it's uh it's it's a very meta song it's like referencing previous songs that the beatles had done um they mention uh 
you know, like they had done that a little bit here and there. Like they mentioned Lucy in the Sky in um, I Am the Walrus. Um, this one mentions I Am the Walrus. We're talking about the walrus's Paul. Let's get a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of that theory going. Uh, you know, maybe is Paul not alive anymore and that whole thing. Um, it talks about, it mentions Lady Madonna fixing a hole. Um, what else? There was another one. Uh, oh, what is, what's the other song that it, the, Strawberry Fields. Just like I told you about Strawberry Fields. Uh, Fool on the Hill is mentioned. There's a lot of, um, previous songs mentioned in that little two minute song. Um, and I guess there's a, there was a movie recently called Glass Onion, which is about something completely different or whatever, whatever, you know, yeah, but, um, uh, that's a fun one. Um, Oblady Oblada is one of those songs that, uh, it's very catchy, it's probably too catchy, and, um, you know, I, I like it, but I, I always feel like I should... I'm supposed to like it more than I actually do. <laughs> it's it's one of those kind of songs, and uh, I understand like it's a it's a Paul McCartney composition, and um, I get the feeling that Lennon really didn't like it. Wasn't there a whole thing about uh, that that opening on the piano um, was supposed to be slower, and uh, you know the outtakes are are a little bit slower. You know they kind of ease into the song, but you know on the final take it's like. It's like, let's get this shit going. Come on. Let's get this over with. That's kind of the feel that I, I get from it. Wild Honey Pie is kind of nice. Uh, it's a nice brief little, um, it's uh, 52 seconds long. It's like, honey pie. And I like the, you know, it's very, it's very quirky and it's very quick. And uh, it's just, it's just something to, to, bridge from one song to the next, you know. Um, I, I like Wild Honey Pie. Not as big a fan of Honey Pie, but we'll get to that. The continuing story of Bungalow Bill is odd. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, it's it's kind of, it's all, it's kind of almost a protest song, you know. It, it, it wouldn't have been out of place a few years later in Lennon's, uh, like on his, you know, on one of his solo albums, you know, it's kind of got to sell, you know, but for the, for the white album, it feels a little too on the nose. Um, you know, with a, like a kind of an anti-gun, um, message. Um, and then of course, of course that one has uh, a brief vocal by Yoko Ono, uh, who by now was living in the studio apparently. <laughs> um, but like, you know, she's like, not when he looks so fierce, you know, it's like really, and then he, then she kind of does a little bit of a backing vocal on the next, on the next line. She kind of, um, so that's kind of fun. It's kind of a, a you, you don't expect to hear, a, a female voice on a Beatles song. Um, I'm trying to think of if that, if there's any other songs that had a, a female vocal on it. And I, I'm I'm kind of struggling on that one. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. Then we got. Um, I'm not a big fan of all of George's songs on this album, but while my guitar gently weeps, has got to be in his top five of best songs he ever wrote. Um, it is so 
the emotion is raw and it's so lovely and um you know it's 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 a longer song it's almost five minutes long but um and i really like the uh the original demo of it too um is really great um but you know i like how at the very end of bungalow bill is like you hear like some applause like scattered applause and then you hear hey oh and then it goes right into <laughs> while my guitar gently weeps um and there there are some really nice lyrics um not just in the official release but also in um the original demo um where he sings i'm sitting here doing nothing but aging I was like, oh, I feel that. I feel that. That's one of those songs that's like, no matter how, how old you get, you know, just you get a, you know, it, it has that same, it's going to have that same draw, or at least I, I imagine it will. <laughs> um, I mean, from the first time I heard it when I was like 12 um, up through now, it's just become more poignant over the years. Um, while my guitar gently weeps, I. I can't help but think of my my nephew Eric, who passed away in um, November. Um, you know, he he uh, he had a guitar. He, he used to play guitar, and um, he was really into that. And it's you know it, that kind of resonates to me now. And then happiness is a warm gun is a really weird song. Like you know, it's also you know a kind of a, a protest of uh, gun violence and whatnot. But in this case, the the lyrics are so vague you know um in the beginning at least he's he's singing about a you know um oh it was like oh she's not a girl who misses much which i used to think that the song the lyric was mitch like she's not a girl who misses mitch <laughs> it was like we're we talking about mitch miller <laughs> what are we talking about here um you know and it's it's talking about hard like lines are busy making overtime um a soaped impression of his wife that he ate and donated to the national trust <laughs> it's like what in the hell is happening john what are you singing and then and then it becomes like a, a weird love song to a gun you know it's like when i hold you in my arms and you know, i feel you know, my fingers on your trigger and it's like kind of sexual <laughs> in a way it's like what's happening here what are we doing um and i can't decide if i like it i don't know if i like that song or not i've never been able to decide if i like happiness is a warm gun i don't know um uh, you know i i do really like the pastiche of you know kind of it's kind of got a 1950s pastiche to it a little bit um, like an early rock and roll, you know, he's kind of harking back to that a little bit. Um, side two, we've got Martha, my dear, which, um, is, is a really, is a really nice little, uh, Paul song, you know? Um, and it, I guess he wrote it about his dog, Martha. Um, I, I, I've always loved Martha, my dear, you know, it's got a, it's got a great melody line and, um, just, just that's a really great one and then i'm so tired um is a is a really interesting follow-up to martha my dear because <laughs> you know it's got it's kind of a completely different message and uh i'm really feeling i'm so tired right now because i am so tired 
because um, work has been insane. Uh, our workload has increased, and they keep changing our procedures every 20 minutes. And you know, it's like um, I could I could easily sing that. Like if I went to karaoke, I have sung that song. Like uh, at the end of the night, I've sung uh, "I'm So Tired." Um, you know, when you're down to like like the last 10 minutes of the of the night, you know, and I was like, it's like, oh, I tried to time it when I did it hoping that I'd be the last person to sing, but then there was, like, one after me, and, like, fine, whatever. And he, and then he sang, like, I don't know, freaking um, Baby Got Back or something. <laughs> it, was like, it was like, come on, man. Stick with the <laughs> the mood of the night. No freaking... Anyway. But that's a really good one. Uh, I like that, you know, Curse Sir Walter Raleigh was such a stupid get. Um... There's a nice build to it, too. It's like, you say, I'm putting you on, but it's no joke. Doing you hard, I can't. It's like, give you everything I've got for a little peace of mind. Then he goes, hush, Um, And then we got Blackbird, um, which is another beautiful uh, McCartney tune. Um, it's kind of fitting that I'm sitting outside talking and you're hearing birds there uh, i don't know if they're blackbirds but there are birds up there out and about out and about somewhere you know blackbirds singing in the dead of night take these broken wings and learn to fly all your life it's 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 a really it's another really lovely song and i, and I think there's um a uh kind of a civil rights um tie in there um i can't remember exactly but it's not in any any means it's not like a obvious like you know it could be about a lot of things blackbird could and we got piggies who which has never been my favorite um by any stretch um that's another song that's kind of too on the nose or on the snout in this case maybe um you know it's obviously you know comparing little piggies to like you know greed you know like greedy people um you know wealthy i mean you know it kind of feels like like uh animal farm it kind of reminds me of animal farm and you know um i do like the the you know what they need's a damn good whacking which i i think was a line that his mother suggested i want to say is a line that george's mother suggested but the the you know the kind of childlike tune of the and then like the contrast to the what it means it's never quite worked for me you know it's it's kind of i don't know it's, it's a little over the top in my opinion um rocky raccoon i really like um that's a good one to sing at karaoke i've done that one at karaoke a few times actually um you know and that that's that's paul kind of doing um kind of a, a pseudo country tune um you know setting it in with uh you know with uh you know like in was it kentucky or something back hills of alabama well i gotta look at the lyrics again i'm not sure but i think somebody's home so i'll i'll get back to this okay i'm back <laughs> so another uh, couple hours later yeah, okay, so it was Dakota. Like they said Dakota. They said uh 
Now, somewhere in the Black Mountain Hills of Dakota, there lived a young boy named Rocky Raccoon. And one day his woman ran, ran off with another guy, hit young Rocky in the eye. And Rocky didn't like that. Said, I'm going to get that boy. <laughs> so one day he walked into town, booked himself a room in the local saloon. Rocky Raccoon checked into his room only to find Gideon's Bible. Rocky had come equipped with a gun to shoot off the legs of his rival. There's a lot of stuff about guns on uh, on the White Album. You know, there's a lot of uh, violence going on, or implied violence, or suggestions of violence, and, you know. And then Charles Manson heard it and went, ooh! Uh, anyway, so, but yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in this song, you know. Uh, Rocky Raccoon, but I, I really like that one. I like that song a lot. Then we've got Don't Pass Me By, which was uh, only one of uh, two songs that Ringo wrote um, during the, the, the his time with the Beatles, unless you count that he, he uh, got a songwriting credit for Flying. Um, but uh, yeah, Don't Pass Me By is another really, really fun one. Um, uh, don't pass me by, don't make me cry, don't make me blue. Cause you know, and that's another, I mean, Rocky Raccoon's definitely a ballad, but there's a little bit of a, elements of ballad to uh, Don't Pass Me By also. Um, that's just a fun one. And that that's one that um, when uh, Fish did the White Album, that's, oh yeah, that's another thing. Um, Fish um, did their own cover of the White Album um, in concert before and uh in 1994 i think um you can find it on one of those fish collections live fish and uh when they most of the songs they did kind of similar to the actual song but when they did don't pass me by they you know they get a real speed up version of it listen for footsteps coming up drive listen for footsteps one day won't arrive <laughs> waiting for your knock dear um, anyway, so yeah, that, that's a Ringo song, and, um, why don't we do it in the road? It's like, okay, we get it. <laughs> I know it's, it's even, even though a song is only a minute and 41 seconds long, it's like, all right, I get the point, okay? You're trying to be all risque and stuff, and it's like, why don't we do it in the road? I mean, it's got a, a nice, funky, uh, you know, um, rhythm to it, but it's like, eh, okay, I get it. I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to be all risque, you know, and that's like, it doesn't really, no one will be watching us. Why don't we do it in the road? The song is just, I don't know. It's always annoyed me a little bit. Um, then the last two songs in the first, um, disc, um, I will and Julia, both gorgeous songs. Both are gorgeous songs. Um, you know, um, they're both love songs, um, in, in different ways. Um, I will is another one of those. It's like a, it's very, it's very simple. And, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, I really like, I will, you know, who knows how long I've loved you. You know, I love you still. Will I wait a lonely lifetime? If you want me to, I will. Yeah, like that. And then Julia 
has a really interesting because uh, it's because John says half of what I say is meaningless, but I say it just to reach you, Julia. And you know he's talking to his mother, but there's also ocean child. Me, you know Yoko means ocean child, so there's kind of a you know it's there's elements of uh, both in there, and it's it, you know. It's a very poetic song. It's beautiful. Her hair of floating sky is shimmering or something like that. It glimmering in the sun. Um, I probably got that line wrong. <laughs> I didn't look it up, but, um, you know, so I sing a song of love for Julia. It's beautiful. You know, he's just talking about his, his mom. Uh, he's singing a song about, about his mother. And, um, Going into side three, or the beginning of the second disc, um, we got Birthday, where, uh, you know, the Beatles are like, let's do a birthday song, but not that birthday song. Um, you know, it's a nice little rocker, you know, to, to start off um, the second the second part of the album, or the second half of the album, however you want to say that. But, uh, you know, you say it's your birthday, it's my birthday too. You know, it's all of our birthdays. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a good time. <laughs> and we're going to a party, party. And uh, that's, that's, that's another one. Now, your blues, Y-E-R blues. Whew. Um, that's, that's one hell of a song. It's a hell of a, you know, they're, they're doing a, uh, John's doing kind of a, a his own version of a, of a blues song, but just making it, you know, pretty dark. It's a pretty dark song, you know? Um, feels so suicidal, just like Dylan's Mr. Jones. I mean, you know, that's the reference to Ballad of a Thin Man by, uh, by Bob Dylan. And um, he's got, yeah, there's a lot of really great stuff in that song. And, um, no, it kind of it kind of sizzles, actually. I would say it kind of sizzles. Barry You know, like if you posted those lyrics on Facebook, you're gonna get a wellness check from the, <laughs> the police department. Um, if you just post those lyrics by themselves, probably if if somebody doesn't realize that it's that's a song, it's a Beatles song. Um, and Mother Nature's Son um, is is a, a really nice little uh, kind of a pensive tune, you know. Born a poor young country boy, Mother Nature's Son. All day long I'm sitting singing songs for everyone. Um, it also kind of reminds me of Paul McCartney's later solo song, uh, The Song We Were Singing. Um, it starts off the Flame, Flaming Pie album. He's like... Well, we always came back to the song we were singing at any particular time. All right, hang on again. That is Fats Domino. <laughs> it was like the last person I would have expected to do 
a, a cover of Everybody's Got Something to Hide Except Me and My Monkey. Which, that's a title that, that's probably the longest title of any Beatles song. And I always put the word four in there, but that is apparently wrong. Um, where am I at? Yes. Yeah, the actual title is Everybody's Got Something to Hide Except Me and My Monkey. And uh, that's a Fat Domino cover. Um, pretty funky, too. <laughs> but um, the uh, actual song, well, not the the original song, um, John wrote um, a, with a lot of uh, Maharishi um, lines in it. You know, come on, it's such a joy. Uh, you know, your inside is out and your outside is in. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a neat song. <laughs> I don't know why I'm using the word neat. That's a really weird, um, word to say for it. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a neat song. Um, it's another, it's another quirky one. The guitar, the guitar bit is really great. Um, the drums, which I, I haven't been given Ringo enough credit in these, um, for, uh, his his drumming um it gives it a it gives the beatles songs a especially you know the later you know their latter half of their career um you know it gives it a, a special beatleiness <laughs> you know it, it's like it, it makes their sound all the more unique you know nobody else drums like ringo like nobody and and, and it's well displayed on everybody's got something to hide except me and my monkey. Um, you know, John and Yoko had just gotten together and, and, uh, you know, apparently there's some sort of aspect of that relationship in there. And I, you know, um, Paul thought the monkey was like the, like heroin, like monkey on his back, you know, monkey on John's back. But, um, all in all, it's just, it's just a, you know, it's it's just a fun song. I kind of like. Then you got "Sexy Sadie," which uh, uh, I knew a girl named Sadie back when I first was listening to the Beatles and stuff. And uh, you know, she was her family was friends with our family, and I was playing Beatle music one day, and like um, I had just gotten the Beatles nineteen sixty seven to seventy on cassette. And I remember kind of scrambling and going, oh my God, I hope Sexy Sadie isn't on here. <laughs> like, I didn't want Sadie to think that I was playing it for her. But yeah, Sexy Sadie was not on the Beatles 1967 through 70. So no worries there. Um, that again, like I said earlier, was, uh, you know, um, apparently written about the Maharishi. But then um, the, the name changed, you know, the lyrics changed to kind of obscure it. But, um, you know, um, sexy Sadie, where did you go? You know, you made a fool of everyone, you know, like you made a fool of us. Like that was, it. it's kind of funny to put a song with, um, you know, Maharishi, um, type sayings and chants or whatever you want to call them, followed by a song about disillusionment with the Maharishi. Um, then, then of course you got Helter Skelter, um, which, you know, paging Charles Manson, um, that was a song that he, he thought was supposed to be about the big 
white uprising, you know, you know, uh, like uh, race war or whatever kind of thing, and led him to um, coerce um, people into killing other people, basically. <laughs> but um, the actual song itself is is it's pretty awesome, actually. Helter Skelter is a really great song. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like a hard rockin', um, just about the most hard rockin' song that Paul McCartney has ever done or has ever written, you know. Um, Helter Skelter, Helter Skelter. And it's got, you know, like Strawberry Fields Forever, it's got like a, a false fade. You know, it's got a fade at the end and then it comes back up for another like 30 seconds or whatever of of the song you know like where you, you think you think it's over and then it, it kind of encores itself um so, you know strawberry fields forever does that as well um and then you got the song long 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 um written by harrison and um this is one of those songs that i i sometimes i like and sometimes i kind of just have to skip it because it it feels like it's really long. It's only three minutes, but it feels like this, like it's kind of a long, you know. But um, I really love the message behind it, though. At the same time, it's like, you know, it's been a long time. So many years I've been searching, you know, like what what are you searching for? And uh, you know, his his guitar part is really nice too on that one. Um, but sometimes it's really weird to have it right after Helter Skelter, you know, um, it's, it's, this album has a few of those, like, um, you know, point counterpoint thing almost where it's a, it's got one song in a certain mood and another song in a completely opposite mood to that. But, um, you know, it's a really nice little, uh, philosophical tune. Um, and then the side four, the last side, starts off with uh, Revolution 1. You know, the, they had the regular song of Revolution was the B-side to Hey Jude. And then Revolution 1 was on the White Album. It's like a, a slower version of it. And I think, isn't it Revolution 1 is the one that they do You Can Count Me Out in? You know, it's like, no, you, you can count me out or in when you're talking about destruction. I'm undecided, you know, but, um, you know, they start off the playing, like there's like a, a false start to that song. Um, but I mean, of course the regular revolution, the B side to Hey Jude is, um, superior to this, but it's, it's a decent tune. Um, it's just, it's just kind of weird if you think about it to not have the actual song of revolution on here if you've got other revolutions but not the main revolution for lack of a better word honey pie is a uh you know it, it's it's kind of a 1920s uh throwback song almost it's like you know in the style of a 1920s song and you know um as you you may know i'm partial to uh, the music of the 1920s um and honey honey pie does a decent job of uh recreating that but i can think of other songs that 
um, have done a better job of it. Um, Winchester Cathedral comes to mind. That's that's one that uh, I would definitely say is, you know, a bodiodo, a bodiodo, bodo boo, and also uh, Magnolia Sims by the Monkees, um, by Michael Nesmith specifically. You know, he he made that sound like it was a an old seventy eight RPM record. You know, you can actually hear the hiss. You know, as a the needle would hit the the record and. Um, you know, it's got the water, water, but honey pie, I don't know. It's more sort of bland. Uh, I hate to say that. I just, you know, I really hate to say that, but it's, it's kind of true. And that's just kind of the way I see it, but it's okay. Um, it's just, that's not great. And then you got, uh, Savoy Truffle, which is a very interesting, uh, George tune, you know, where he's, written this as a warning to Eric Clapton. You know, he's got to be careful what he eats because he's going to ruin his teeth. That's <laughs> basically what that is. Aren't you going to have him all pulled out after the Savoy Truffle? That song has a callback to Obla Dee Obla Da. Alright, hang on. A lot of interruptions on this. <laughs> Sorry about that. We're going to get through this. I only have three songs to go. Um... Cry baby, cry baby, cry. Um, I kind of like because it's basically just, it's just telling you about uh, like this this mythical kingdom, you know, the king of marigold and um, this queen and you know doing stuff for the king and you know it's just basically what everybody's doing in the kingdom. <laughs> um, and this uh, really nice piano bit behind it is really nice. And then um, after that, you know, just just after Cry Baby Cry, you get this snippet of this other song, like almost a hidden track because it's not individually named, you know. Um, it would probably be called Can You Take Me Back, but it's basically just Paul being like, Can you take me back where I came from? Can you take me back? Can you take me back where I came from? Brother, can you take me back? Can you take me back? And it's... And if it was a song on its own, it would be considered one of the shortest Beatles songs. You know, maybe like that and like Maggie Mae and, you know, uh, that sort of thing. But, um, you know, that one's nice. And then we get into, as I said, um, Revolution 9, um, which is the, uh, I kind of talked about earlier, um, is the sound collage, um, where John just, uh, you know, put all this together and, you know, he had snippets of, uh, of, of, uh, Beatles, you know, very brief little Beatles moments. And, um, you know, he's got Yoko talking about God knows what, <laughs> um, something about becoming naked <laughs> and block that kick, block that. And there's something strangely hypnotic about revolution nine, um, as I said earlier, uh, I probably would have preferred if they had put in one of those other songs instead, like what's the new Mary Jane or India, India, something like that. But, you know, at, at the same time, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine the white album without it. Um, it's just got that and and why it was called revolution nine, you know, um, who knows? <laughs> but I think it was just like, you know, they're like, we 
are the ones to, that decide what a Beatles track is. You know, you're not going to tell us, so we're going to put this in. Is kind of the feel for it. And um, at the very end, you got the song uh, Good Night, which John wrote for Julian, but then Ringo sings it. And, you know, that's never really sat very well with me, you know. Um, I've always wanted to hear John's. I, I think there, I think there might be like demos of John singing it, but, um, and, and Ringo does a great job with it. You know, um, it's, it's a nice little way to close out a long album like this. You know, it's like, okay, this is the end of the, the album. It's time to go to bed now, kids just go ahead and, um, close your eyes and the sun's turning out its light. You dream sweet dreams and you know, you're just going to drift off into dreamland and oh, off you go. But yeah, I, I kind of wish in a way that John had sung it um, on the actual release. Um, you know, and then, then there's some orchestration behind it, which is kind of surprising um, at the end of this album, which is, is has more of a rock feel than the last couple of albums have, you know, um, I mean, they, they've had strings and orchestras and stuff like that on other albums, but um, this one, you know, is it's really not part of the uh, the White Album except for that very last song. But it's a it's a nice song, um, you know. It's a it's a nice one for Ringo to sing. But yeah, it would have been I think it, it would have been kind of nicer to have John sing it, you know, for his son. But that gets into a whole other. Um, ball of wax with you know John and his relationship with his son Julian and oh you know there was a, a lot of parental neglect there I'm afraid but anyway that's the whole thing that's the White Album um, and uh, I did get to talk about it in you know pretty detailed once I got down to it so um, yeah that, that worked out pretty well I still need to do Beatles for Sale and uh, Magical Mystery Tour. Um, I'll, I'll work those in. Uh, this has been a crazy week for it. I haven't been able to record as much as I wanted to or, you know, do much of anything uh, creative lately, but uh, I'll get back to it. So let's just go ahead and wrap that one up. I'm going to go ahead and send this off to Mr. River. So you get a little shambles in the groove, do you? Oh, that was just... Oh, and, and did nothing disagreeable or argumentative or, or missing. That This was... Uh, oh, and I, and I do look forward to your catch-up stuff. Just send it in when you have time. I, th I believe uh, uh, the time crisis and crunch may be slowing. Although for me, I mean, it's what? Very soon, I will be just like temporarily uh, vacating the premises here. Uh, I'll check in here and there, but uh, I'm going to have a little over a couple of weeks of uh, radio vacation, as I've mentioned before. So, uh, and uh, oh man, I love that uh, you called me the host of hosts. I, I never even thought of that term, and that's just, that's perfect. And uh, and and you reminded me of Napster, because yeah, there have uh, been many realms of obtaining 
since. But uh, like yourself, uh, while I collected Beatle bootleg records back in, what, the 80s? Before there was an interwebs, uh, the, the uh, well now you have YouTube. I mean, you don't even really almost every bootleg Beatle thing that I hear about in my researches and have never heard. It's on YouTube somewhere. Uh, th- we live in miraculous times. Uh, we have such amazing access, and especially to the Beatles. I mean, now there's like four or five different AI Beatles and solo Beatles out there. I was listening to Paul McCartney new songs that Paul McCartney never did uh, earlier in covers. Uh, This is just, we are living in remarkable times all together here and kind of talking about it on the Overnightscape uh, Underground and this, the most remarkable program perhaps that there ever was for a collaboratorium the overnightscape central and and you're invited to continue participating and if you've got stuff to say about the beatles we want to hear it because uh what i really would like this to be is a sort of monument to the whole thing so Please, just hang in here with us, and this is going to be delicious all the way around. Uh, We've still got, uh, what, a couple of Beatle albums, and uh, then we get into the minutiae. Probably this will all happen. uh, uh, We might be able to get one more show in, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, the next album uh, official album is abbey road so uh yeah if you've got stuff to say about abbey road just record it and get it to me asap because uh i'm gonna try to knock that one out in the next week because after that i am pretty much uh on uh other it's just fun yeah, the PQ River, can you imagine just PQ River having fun and not looking at screens? And oh, it, this is just going to be a delight uh, for my senses. Just as doing this, I mean, I'm not, this is no onus or arduous thing, but a fresh slate is going to be so, so nice. And Gosh, uh, your host of hosts, PQ River. And we still, this is the show that was going to be about the Yellow Submarine album, as I mentioned. But uh, we've got Frank Edward Nora here to talk about it. And uh, let's, let's just go there and see where that leads us. Because you never know where Frank's going to take something. And uh, let's just follow him down into the rabbit hole together. This uh, psychedelic art style became uh, extremely um, popular in the mainstream for a few years in, in, in the later 60s, right? And there was a blog or some sort of website that had examples of this from all, you know, from greeting cards to comic books to advertisements. I mean, this uh, very, very colorful uh, and uh, it has a very distinctive look. The shapes, you know, like, like that sort of Peter Max slightly like weird nightmarish fairy tale cartoony look to things was uh, was again very popularized with sort of you know associated with the the youth movement the hippie movement uh 
etc. But as it sort of spread everywhere, it does. I don't know. I just sort of looking back in history, it feels like it was sort of orchestrated or decided, or I don't know. I guess art directors just sort of follow whatever trends are popular at the time and different brands and companies. Right? There's so many magazine ads, for example, that use that multicolor psychedelic look, you know, for a brief time. Because I, I guess they felt that's what the kids were into at that point, right? And I think the uh, the subtext of it was that various drugs, like like LSD, for example, that's sort of what you saw when you took the drug. All these multicolored patterns, kind of like when you when you rub your eyes, you you sort of see these patterns behind your eyelids in the dark of your eyes, right? These sort of psychedelic patterns. So it's sort of the uh, visual represent representation of like the psychedelic drug experience, right? So I think you could say, like, Yellow Submarine is definitely absolutely adopting that style, which is interesting because if you remember, even back as far as uh, Revolver, right, uh, that they were, the cover was in black and white, which was a reaction to the multicolored psychedelic art style, right? Of course, Sgt. Pepper did adopt uh, that style uh, to a large degree, the colorful, psychedelic, surreal style. Though not with those particular art elements, but I would say the Sgt. Pepper outfits and the whole Sgt. Pepper visual experience was very psychedelic. And I think Magical Mystery Tour, the bus itself and the packaging also had that psychedelic look. But of course, once we get to the White Album, they were reacting to it like there's too much of this multicolored technicolor crap. Let's make our album completely white, right? Which is So it's interesting that following that, there's this Yellow Submarine project, which completely embraces this uh, this visual style. And another another trend here is the uh Apple, the company Apple Core that they Beatles created, Apple Records and in this case now Apple Films uh, making the movie Yellow Submarine. And this there's a I really am fascinated by the story of Apple because um it had such high aspirations, but I think it sort of fell apart, sort of at the same cadence as the 60s fell apart towards the end. 69 and 70, the hippie dream collapsed. And yes, I do think it was all rather scripted, potentially scripted by the powers that be to build them up and knock them down, but that's a whole other topic. But thinking about Apple films and this movie in particular, you know, what could Apple have produced had it gone in a different way, had the Beatles stayed together? It's really interesting. I was wondering about, like, was there, was there ever thoughts of a sequel to Yellow Submarine? Uh, and uh, the only thing that came up, I guess, there was some sort of computer animated version in 2010 people were talking about that just looked horrible. That was just a remake, but I don't know. It'd be kind of cool to sort of continue the story of Yellow Submarine in some way, but I think it's a definitely a one-off, you know. It's remarkable in that Beatles didn't even do their own voices. It was their company, but they hired actors to do the voices of them in the movies. How hard would it have been just to bring them into a studio and have them read the lines? They acted in, in uh, the other three movies, or two movies and a TV special. Why couldn't they have done their own lines? Of course, the Beatles do appear at the very end of the movie in live action, so they're in it a little, a little bit. But, you know, in terms of the identity of the Beatles, like this, the Yellow Submarine visuals have become massive and there's always always mass amounts of yellow submarine products that they sell from figurines to playing cards to everything everything in between jigsaw puzzles whatever you know 
Yellow Submarine is still a big, uh, incredible uh, visual design and universe. Very unique and super creepy. I started rewatching the movie. I think the last time I watched it was probably five years ago when we did uh, the Yellow Submarine topic on the Central, which I haven't gone back and listened to it, but you can go listen to it. It was in uh, January of 2018, so over five years ago now. We did our Yellow Submarine uh, topic, which was oh, all things Yellow Submarine. Here we're trying to focus on the album, but of course we can't talk about the album without talking about the uh, the movie as well and the overall phenomenon of it. Of course, back in, uh, was it 1990? I did my, uh, or it was 91, I did my Train Crap and Blood, my sort of proto-podcast in my friend Peter's basement. And uh, we did... Uh, a little parody called The Hunt for Yellow October, which was uh, combining the submarine movies, Yellow Submarine and The Hunt for Red October. Uh, played that a bunch of times over the years. You can check that one out if you want. But yeah, we get to the uh, the record, the, the record itself, which uh, when it comes to the worst Beatles record, a lot of people put this one as the worst. And I would not put it as the worst. I think, was it Beatles for Sale? Was that the one that was kind of the worst? Um but, of course, Yellow Submarine has problems as an album because the first side is Beatles songs, but the second side is orchestral re-recordings of the movie's background music by George Martin, which is, uh, you know, and I listened to the whole thing several times, and, you know, the um, the side two by George Martin, the orchestral stuff, you know, when you're, you're this is a Beatles album, I want to hear Beatles music, and yes, some of the orchestral stuff has Beatles songs in it, like Yellow Submarine, etc. But um, it's just not good. It's not something I would want to sit and listen to over and over again. It's not like Beatles music. It's just kind of a drag, honestly. Um, and then on side one, of course, we have six Beatles songs, two of which we've heard before, Yellow Submarine and All You Need Is Love. It's strange that half the songs on the first side have the word all in them, right? All You Need Is Love. It's all too much and all together now, yes. So what we're left with for this album in terms of if you're going to sit and listen to this album, side one is really solid, but again, two of the songs are from other albums. What is uh, Yell Submarine is from Revolver and uh, All You Need Is Love was a single and also released on the U.S. version, the album version of Magical Mystery Tour, which as we know from from last time or two times ago, whatever, that... uh, Magical Mystery Tour is now an album, right? Uh, an official album, but um, yeah, all you need is love is from from there. So what we're left with is the four songs. So if we're really going to look at the meat and potatoes of the album, we have to look at those four songs. And I think those four songs, which are Only a Northern Song, Hey Bulldog, All Together Now and It's All Too Much, are so good that they can carry the entire album. I love those songs. I think those four songs... Songs are some of the best Beatles songs ever. It really represents sort of, a, to me, a pinnacle of Beatles music and a bit more, they're a bit more obscure, they're a bit more uh, deeper deeper tracks, right? I don't think anyone would think of any of those songs as the top Beatles songs if you were going to name a Beatles song. But I love those four songs so much that I think it carries the album. And even though there's only four original songs, Beatles songs, uh, it does make it better than at least Beatles for Sale, for example. Um, it, those songs are so good. And it's interesting that there's also another Beatle, major Beatles animation, which was the Beatles Saturday morning cartoon that you hardly ever hear about. But this was the Beatles animated before uh, Yellow Submarine, and, uh, and again, voices done 
by, by different people. But that's sort of understandable. I don't know how involved the Beatles were in that Beatles cartoon. I'm sure at some level they gave permission for it, but it wasn't like they were very, very involved in it, I don't think. That is kind of a lost topic, the Beatles cartoon. I know I, I, I think I delved into it in one of the earlier segments here of uh, the Beatles, our, our Beatles phase here on Central. And, you know, yellow is my favorite color, so... Uh, I don't know if I was influenced by Yellow Submarine for that, but I probably not. I don't know. I, I don't know how I decided yellow was my favorite color, but over the years I did realize I do like yellow the best. It may have influenced my uh, the lyrics to the song I wrote, The Us Hounds. Yellow volcanoes in the rain, their goal is no more than to entertain. Yet if passengers are threatened, they will intervene. Yes, yellow volcanoes in the rain. So definitely sort of that, that song is sort of a, about this weird cartoon about this band that's on a train that has to like uh, defend the passengers and solve crimes and stuff They're called the Us Hounds yeah I just started watching uh, the movie Yellow Submarine again it is very nightmarish and, and, and scary Those the blue meanies and all of their various evil Minions are, are really scary and nightmarish and bizarre, almost sort of as frightening as sort of the David Lynch, like uh, the Black Lodge characters, this weird demonic beings living above a convenience store. It's sort of very primally uh, uh, frightening and bizarre. In the movie says it's starring Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So were the Beatles in the movie supposed to be the Sgt. Pepper characters? But I don't know. Do they call him Ringo or do they call him uh, Billy Shears? I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think they call him Billy Shears. Or maybe the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band was like a different band. Listen, I don't really know. I have to figure it all out. You know. Maybe we address that in uh, in our last segment. Who who can remember five years ago? Who can remember five days ago? You know what I'm saying? There was one uh, slight confusion I had. If you remember on the White Album that we did recently, uh, there was a bunch of songs in the Esher demos uh, that were songs that were proposed for the White Album but never never made it. One of them was Sour Milk Sea, which for a long time I sort of thought was a Yellow Submarine song because there's like various seas that the submarine's going through. But the Sour Milk Sea was something completely separate. It was not part of Yellow Submarine. I was kind of confused by that, you know. But as of yet, I have not purchased any Yellow Submarine products. I don't think I have a single Yellow Submarine product. I've looked at a million of them online over the years. Remember the McFarlane toys, uh, Yellow Submarine figures, and various Corgi uh, Yellow Submarine uh, die-cast vehicles. And there were not, like, differently... Were there differently colored? Like, Was there, like, a red submarine or a blue submarine, like, for the Blue Meanies? You know, green submarine... It almost feels like it could have been sort of like a wacky races kind of thing. If they ever made a sequel, it could have been like the great submarine race, you know. The yellow submarine goes up against all the differently colored, like the tan submarine, you know, the chartreuse submarine, and they could have all that Mandela confusion. What is chartreuse, a bright green or a bright magenta? I can't even remember. I think it's a green because of the chartreuse liqueur, but a lot of people think it's that magenta color. I kind of think it's that magenta color from from the other reality, <laughs> you know, the Mandela effect. I know this because I, I I know chartreuse is a liqueur, but it's it feels like it should be like a shocking pink, no, magenta. 
So what about that? Was, was, has there ever been like fan fiction of Yellow Submarine fan fiction? Or uh, Rule 34, like porn of Yellow Submarine? I'm sure there has been. Of course there has. I have not sought that out, but I'm sure it exists. Um, but that, that would be my proposal for the sequel, The Great Submarine Race. And uh, you could have like you know, all the different colors. The clear submarine, you know. The uh, invisible submarine, you know, things like the checkerboard submarine, things like that. Or should you stick to colors? You know, probably maybe colors. The off-white submarine, you know. And don't forget the Ekru submarine, which would be slightly different shade than the off-white submarine, right? Yeah. And then each each, each of the submarines would be manned by versions of contemporary bands with the Beatles, like uh, like Jerry and the Pacemakers would have one submarine, and the Kinks would have like another submarine. It would be great. I'm telling you, the Rolling Stones would have a submarine. Listen, that would be great, wouldn't it? Well, soon you'll be able just to describe this to an AI and they'll make the entire movie. So you don't have to wait for it to be made, as it's probably not going to be made. But we can make it with AI soon, hopefully. Though I have been chatting with Bard, Google's AI. And listen, that thing has a long-ass way to go, okay? Uh, it's so... It's great, but it's very limited still. I mean, I gave Bard a, a bit of a challenge the other day. I'm like, make up five fake palindromes. And so the idea of a fake palindrome... It's a pretty complex concept. It's sort of, there's a few examples online of them. You know how palindromes that are spelled the same forwards as backwards have this certain feel to them, like sit on a potato pan, Otis. No devil lived on. Rise to vote, sir. A man, a plan, a canal, Panama. So some people have created phrases that sound like palindromes, have that weird sound to them, but they actually aren't. And Bard could not even begin to understand what I was talking about. It had no idea. It was like floundering trying to come up with that stuff. So, As far as what's publicly available for AI, I think we have a ways to go before we can make the Yellow Submarine sequel with an AI. Though who knows? I mean, I could ask Bard right now to, uh, to do that. Let's see what it says. I'm going to say something like, uh, write the synopsis of the theoretical sequel to the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. Let, let, me, let me do that right now. All right, I paused there for a second. I'm, I'm here talking to Bard. Write a synopsis for a sequel to the Beatles movie, Yellow Submarine. Let's see what it says. I haven't, I, I, it's generating it now. The sequel to Yellow Submarine opens with the Beatles enjoying a peaceful day in Pepperland. However, their peace is soon shattered when the Blue Meanies return, this time with a new leader, the evil Lord Mayor. The Blue Meanies have taken over Pepperland and are using mind control to force the citizens to dance and sing their praises. The Beatles must once again travel to Pepperland to save the day, but this time they will need the help of some new friends. Along the way, they meet the dreadful Flying Glove, who helps them to escape from the Blue Meanies' prison, the Sea of Time, who teaches them about the importance of love, and the Nowhere Man, who helps them find their way back to Pepperland. In the end, the Beatles are able to defeat the Blue Meanies and restore peace to Pepperland. The sequel would be a musical adventure film with the Beatles performing new songs as they travel through Pepperland. The film would be aimed at a family audience with plenty of humor and excitement for all ages. The film would be visually stunning with state-of-the-art animation and special effects. The sequel to Yellow Submarine would be a must-see for fans of the Beatles and animated films alike. It would be a fun, exciting, and visually stunning adventure that would appeal to audiences of all ages. That's actually pretty well written, right? All right. Um, list the songs in the 
Yellow Submarine sequel. Let's see what it comes up with here. Here we go. Here's the songs from the Yellow Submarine sequel, according to Bard, the AI from Google. Wow, here are some songs that could be in the Yellow Submarine sequel. The Dreadful Flying Glove. The Beatles sing about their encounter with the Dreadful Flying Glove, who helps them to escape from the Blue Meanies prison. Wow, that sounds like a good song. The Sea of Time. Isn't that already a song? <laughs> the Beatles learn about the importance of love from the Sea of Time. The Nowhere Man. The Beatles meet the Nowhere Man, who helps them find the... See, it's, it's weird. It's sort of like... Using the synopsis it just wrote. The Battle of Pepperland. The Beatles fight the Blue Meanies in a battle to save Pepper... Pepperland. The return to Pepperland. The Beatles return to Pepperland and restore peace to the land. And the end, which is also a real song from, from Abbey Road. The Beatles sing about the end of their adventure and the hope for a better future. These are just a few ideas for songs that could be in the Yellow Submarine sequel. There are many other possibilities, and it will be interesting to see what songs the filmmakers choose. Interesting. So maybe I should try to ask it about um, a synopsis to the third movie the great submarine race let's let's try that all right here's what i here's what i wrote to bard write a synopsis for the third yellow submarine movie called the great submarine race here we go what's it gonna write <laughs> it's exciting using ai see this wasn't available five years ago here we go in the third yellow submarine movie the beatles are invited to compete in the great submarine race a prestigious competition that is held every year in Pepperland. The Beatles are excited to compete, but they soon realize that the race is not going to be easy. There are many other talented submarines competing, and the Beatles will have to use all their skills if they want to win. The race takes place through the many different seas of Pepperland, and the Beatles must navigate through dangerous waters, avoid obstacles, and battle other submarines. Along the way, they meet new friends and learn about the different cultures of Pepperland. In the end, the Beatles are able to win the race and bring glory to Pepperland. They have proven that they are the best submarine crew in, a, in the world and have made new friends along the way. The Great Submarine Race is a fun and exciting adventure that will appeal to fans of the Beatles and animated films alike. It's a story about friendship, determination, and the power of music. Wow. <laughs> what would the fourth movie be? Hold on. Let me think about it. All right, here we go. Write a synopsis to the fourth Yellow Submarine movie called An Interdimensional Accident Strands the Yellow Submarine at a Strip Mall in New Jersey in 1981. Let's see what it has to say about this. I, I, I made this up. This sounds like something AI would make up, but I made it up. Here we go. In the fourth Yellow Submarine movie, the Beatles are traveling through space when they are hit by a mysterious force that strands them in a strip mall in New Jersey in 1981. The Beatles are confused and disoriented, and they don't know how to get back to Pepperland. They soon realize that they are in a strange and unfamiliar world, and they must find their way to get back home. Find a way to get back home. The Beatles meet a group of teenagers who help them to adjust to their new surroundings. The teenagers introduce the Beatles to the music and culture of the 1980s, and the Beatles begin to learn about the world they have found themselves in. The Beatles soon realize they must, that they must find a way to get back to Pepperland, but they also realize that they have a responsibility to help the people of this world. The Beatles decide to stay in New Jersey and use their music to help the people of this world. The Beatles use their music to spread love and peace and soon become popular with the people of New Jersey. The Beatles help to bring people together and make, a, and make the world a better place. 
In the end, the Beatles are able to find a way to get back to Pepperland, but they choose to stay in New Jersey and continue to help the people of this world. The Beatles have learned that there is more to life than just music, and they are determined to make a difference in the world. An interdimensional accident strands the Yellow Submarine at a strip mall in New Jersey in 1981. It's a story about friendship, determination, and the power of music. It is a fun and exciting adventure that will appeal to fans of the Beatles and animated films alike. Wow. So they decided to stay in New Jersey. That's great. All right. How about one more? What would the fifth Yellow Submarine movie be? All right. I think this will be our final. The fifth movie was probably the last one. Write a synopsis for the fifth Yellow Submarine movie called Whatever Yellow Submarine. Here, let's see what it comes up with this time. Whatever Yellow Submarine. <laughs> sure. Here is a synopsis for the fifth Yellow Submarine movie called Whatever Yellow Submarine. The Beatles are enjoying a peaceful day in Pepperland when they are suddenly transported to a strange new world. In this world, everything is backwards, and the Beatles are the bad guys. The only way to get back to their own world is to complete a series of challenges. Along the way, they meet new friends and learn about the importance of friendship and cooperation. The Beatles eventually complete the challenges and return to their world. However, they realize that things are not the same as they were before. The Blue Meanies have taken over Pepperland, and the Beatles must once again save the day. The Beatles travel to Pepperland and defeat the Blue Meanies. They restore peace to Pepperland and return to their own world. The fifth Yellow Submarine movie is a fun and exciting adventure that will appeal to fans of the Beatles and animated films alike. It is a story about friendship, determination, and the power of music. Here are some of the songs that could be in the movie. Whatever, Yellow Submarine, the Beatles sing about their journey to the strange new world. The challenges. The Beatles sing about the challenges they must compete, complete in order to get back to their own world. The friends. The Beatles sing about the new friends they make in the strange new world. The blue meanies. The Beatles sing about the evil blue meanies who have taken over Pepperland. The battle of Pepperland. The Beatles sing about the battle they must fight to defeat the blue meanies and restore peace to Pepperland. The return to Pepperland. The Beatles sing about the return to Pepperland and the hope for a better future. These are just a few ideas for songs that could be in the fifth Yellow Submarine movie. There are many other possibilities, and it will be interesting to see what songs the filmmakers choose. Great. Now, could there be a sixth Yellow Submarine movie? Hold on. We'll have to see how this goes. Hold on a second. All right, here we go. Write a synopsis for the sixth Yellow Submarine movie called The New Improved Cyberpunk Yellow Submarine in Claymation Hell. Chew on that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it, Bard. Let's see what Bard comes up with here. Here we go. <clears throat> wow, this is a long one. <coughs> the sixth Yellow Submarine movie called The New Improved Cyberpunk Yellow Submarine in Claymation Hell is a dark and twisted take on the classic animated film. The Beatles are transported to a cyberpunk world of claymation where they must battle evil robots and save the world from destruction. Along the way, they meet new friends and learn about the importance of friendship and cooperation. The movie is a visual feast with stunning claymation animation and a unique cyberpunk aesthetic. The story is fast-paced and exciting with plenty of action and adventure. The characters are well-developed and relatable and the movie has a strong message about the importance of friendship and cooperation. The new improved cyberpunk Yellow Submarine in Claymation Hell is a must-see for fans of the Beatles, animated films, and cyberpunk fiction. 
It's a fun, exciting, and visually stunning adventure that will appeal to audiences of all ages. Here is a more detailed synopsis of the movie. The Beatles are enjoying a peaceful day in Pepperland when they are suddenly transported to a strange new world. This world is a cyberpunk dystopia where everything is made of claymation and the people are ruled by evil robots. The Beatles must battle the robots to save the world from destruction. Along the way, they meet new friends, including a group of rebels who are fighting against the robots. The Beatles also learn about the importance of friendship and cooperation. They realize that they can only defeat the robots if they work together. In the end, the Beatles are able to defeat the robots and save the world. They have learned the importance of friendship and cooperation, and they have made new friends along the way. The new improved cyberpunk yellow submarine in Claymation Hell is a fun, exciting, and visually stunning adventure that will appeal to audiences of all ages. It is a story about friendship, determination, and the power of music. Wow, that sounds like a good one. Anyway, the sick, there you go, the, the five sequels to Yellow Submarine as written by Bard, the artificial intelligence. Anyway, it's a little later here, and uh, I decided to look up Rule 34 Yellow Submarine, and indeed there is a whole page of Yellow Submarine uh, titillating images uh, that do exist. It's rather rather distressing. <laughs> yes, you can look that up yourself if you care for the details. I wouldn't recommend it. I would not recommend it. <coughs> Interesting to note that it's mostly the blue mini characters that are getting it on. The Beatles are not involved, thankfully. Thankfully. Anyway, let's uh, take a, a look at the album here. Yeah, Yellow Submarine. Okay. And uh, isn't there also the Yellow Submarine song track? I don't know when they released that, but it was sort of uh, a reimagining of the soundtrack. Yeah, the Yellow Submarine song track, which just has all Beatles songs that are played in the movie, but... They're all songs you've heard before as well, so it's not really particularly useful, though it could be a fun album to listen to, I suppose. Let's check out, uh, as we do each time, the documentary, the little documentary they have on Apple Music about Yellow Submarine. I love cartoons. I love the Disney stuff. So, you know, the first thing when we heard people were going to do a cartoon... I just thought, yeah, this could be the greatest Disney cartoon ever, only with our music. But they were going more Pepper direction, so uh, we said, well, why don't you just take a lot of songs we've got already? There was no, like, yellow submarine. So, you know, why didn't they write new songs? They were so good at writing songs, they should have write, wrote a whole album of new songs for the movie. I don't know. What were they doing that they couldn't use their voice in the movie or write that many new songs for the movie? Album we made. They just picked songs that... They thought it would be good to animate. And, uh, you know, it really works. We all live in a yellow submarine. Yellow submarine. Yellow submarine. All you need is love, is basically, I think, the message of the movie, which still holds true. I'm ready to sing for the world, George, if you just give me the backing. Okay, Jeff. All right, here we go. Okay, Richard. Here comes the back. Black and white footage of the Beatles recording. Was this that was this that um, TV broadcast they were talking about? It seems very simple message and sometimes it can seem very bland. But I still think the message is really true. I want you to get out of your seats and swim. 
it was a perfect song because it was so simple. It was a great excuse to go right in the middle of that whole culture that was happening and give them a theme tune. was tailored to the music and the feelings that were about. We had a bunch of songs that we were working on that hadn't been heard before the film. And then we did Only Know the Song in Abbey Road. It doesn't really matter what chords I play, what words I say, or time of day it is, as it's only a known song. One of the things I like about John's songwriting style is its quirkiness. And I think, hey, Bulldog is it's very surreal. And obviously I like the moment when we're in there and I'm, I'm harmonising with him. I start being a dog, you know, and then he sort of says, you got any more? And Whoa! The spirit of that session is brought back by the recording, you know. Oh, there's differently colored submarines. Wow, a green, a, a purple. Wow, is, is that like a thing? I, I, I don't. I didn't see this before. Is that the submarine race? A little preview of the submarine race, the great submarine race. I don't know. Let's see what they wrote about it here. If they have this paragraph, usually, this is a quick one. Uh, the Beatles' Yellow Submarine, 1969. Was it 69? I don't know why I thought it was 68. Half of this album contains George Martin's lush score for the animated film, and the other half contains. The title track, originally released on Revolver, as well as two Eastern-tinged George Harrison numbers, Only a Northern Song and It's All Too Much, Lennon's rumbling Hey Bulldog and the infectious All Together Now. Also had colorful touches that fit the animated film's enduring legacy. So, Go through the album here, starting off with the song we know and love. In the times. We all know that song. Followed up with Only a Northern Song. This is an interesting one by George. It's, I know Northern, Northern Songs Limited was, right, the Beatles' uh, publishing company or something, or publishing group. Great song. I love this song. And then, of course, All Together Now. Another great one. Hey Bulldog, just a major great song that is really, uh, again, these are not songs you think of when you think of Beatles songs. These are some of their best. Hey Bulldog is a fantastic song, sort of hidden in this Yellow Submarine album. Love this song. Frog and Bulldog. And then the six minute, 25 second long, It's All Too Much. What a great song. Look how that starts. In your my, right? To your my. What does that mean? 
do, do, do. Right, this is one of their best as well. So that's what I'm saying. That these four songs are so good, they carry the whole album basically. I love this part. Like this part. Right, that is such a great vibe. Really, I mean, uh, just these four songs are fantastic. And then, you, of course, you have dun, 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 right? All You Need Is Love, which previously heard, but still a great song. So we know that one. And then we get to side two, all by George Martin. And this is a kind of a drag, you know? I mean, it, it's a thing. It could be its own thing. But as a Beatles album, no. No. Pepperland. Here's the song Pepperland. No sour milk sea, by the way. Yes, sea of Time. <laughs> Didn't Bard say the Sea of Time was one of the new songs? Yeah. That damn Bard. It's always getting things wrong, that, that Bard. Whatever. Sea of Holes. Sea of Monsters. March of the Meanies. Pepperland Laid Waste. And finally, Yellow Submarine in Pepperland. Right. Great. In a yellow submarine. Yes. Let's see, I, I am watching the movie here. Let's see what part I got to. Let's see. I don't know if I'm going to watch the whole movie. It's kind of... Oh, oh I, this is cool, like the cool Beatles house. Right, this is a good part. That Pepperland guy is there looking around in the house. This is a good. This is a good scene, I think. All sorts of weird things going through the doors: eggs, pipes, skulls, umbrellas, glasses. Ooh, someone! A car going down the stairs. Who's in the car? I don't know if there's any Paul is Dead stuff in this movie. I know I haven't mentioned that yet. I know you were wondering if I could get through a whole segment without mentioning Paul is Dead. I don't know if there's much stuff. I'm sure there is. I, I don't know. They're driving a car inside the house. It's a very cool scene. Hot dogs, Coca-Cola, pep, uh, pepperoni. There's uh, the Phantom, the comic strip character, the Phantom. There's the Avengers, uh, John Steed, Flash Gordon, Buffalo Bill, Mandrake the Magician, and uh, Marilyn Monroe. Frankenstein is here. Phyllis, Frankenstein's sister. The born lever puller. Here comes Frankenstein. What the hell's going on in this movie? I like the scene in the house. This is this is one of the best scenes. Fra Beatles Frankenstein. Frankenstein's monster. If you want to be didactic about it, he's going to drink a test tube full of stuff. And who does he become? Uh oh. Is he going to change? I, oh, he's actually John Lennon. There you go. I've just had the strangest dream. I warned you not to leave on an empty stomach. I'll listen to old Fred. 
Japanese rehearsal. They should have used their own voices, damn it. We're trying to find all the Beatles here. Weird, like, Indian cows. There's George in his weird lair with weird movies playing. Oh, do they do the whole song now? Maybe. Very psychedelic. Live action footage combined with the animation always always a creepy touch. There he is, the wind blowing, standing on the top with the wind. They don't even sound like the actual Beatles. <laughs> Doesn't sound like George. And where's Paul? Paul hasn't shown up yet. Oh, the car keeps changing color. Now it's a yellow car. Now it's red again. Where's Paul? They have to find Paul. Where's Billy Campbell? Come on, Billy. Oh, you just see a row of doors as, as you hear this sound. Interesting. You know, I know I saw this fairly recently, but I don't remember any of it. It's a very good movie, though. I recommend it. They're running down the hallway. They need to find Paul. Where is he? There's King Kong. King Kong has arrived. There's a red-haired woman in bed. Kong's hand goes in the room. It's a psychedelic King Kong. Find Paul. He's a dead man. Miss him, miss him, miss him. A train. Going on. Yes, they do look very nice, don't they? Yes, they do. They do, so, don't they? Yes, they do. So, to do. Do? Now, oh, there's Paul. There he is. So, what's the matter, fellas? Blue meaning. Well, that's. What do you think? I think that. I wonder if they ever thought of redoing it with their own voices. You know, just, you could probably redo it. It's kind of. I know it's hard to redo it, though, because you have to. Match up the voices to the lips and the animation and stuff. Now they're in the yellow submarine. Now, now there's actual live-action footage. It's quite frightening. The English countryside. Get a tan from standing in the English rain. That's the sound from uh, Day in a Life.
There you go. They crashed it, or did they? Anyway, there's a little look at the whole yellow submarine situation. Back to you, Peek. Oh, I got to say, the first thing is that right out of the box, I love how sometimes Frank cuts off his last statement so it sounds like we're just being that much crazy. Oh, 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 man. There's nothing like the overnight scape central. And that was just incredible. All the way up and down the line. Up. It's, and Oh, man. All the sequels to Yellow Submarine that exist in that alternate AI universe. I, I know I'm guilty of playing with the uh, text-to-chat and the text-to-video AIs, but I'm terrified of what will happen if that if I even go near that GPT thing. So uh, I, I am scrupulously avoiding it because that's just that's just dangerous for somebody who messes far too much with words like I do. Uh, yeah, at least for now, uh, I'm 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 letting that sit and and, and stew uh, a bit. Uh, but, but lots of people are messing and. Oh, just the, look what it does. I, I cannot say it doesn't have a remarkable function and functionality. And uh, yeah, a quick run through of, of the songs because I can do this. It's just so few songs. Um, uh, let's see, Yellow Submarine was on Revolver. And yeah, I, I just, you got to like it even though it's a goofy, stupid song. It's just... Yeah, it's fun. Uh, Only a Northern Song is, I just love that the, the chords are going wrong. And uh, yeah, Harrison, Harrison gets two songs, so th- this is good. Uh, and I like Only a Northern Song. In fact, uh, I recently did one of my uh, Liminaries covers of it that, uh, who knows, it might get released, it might not. Uh, I've really, it's, it's, yeah, well, we won't, we're talking about the Beatles now, not me. All together now, really. I mean, as a kid, I really loved that song. I mean, I remember it was just after my eighth birthday uh, that they released Yellow Submarine. I came out almost at the same time as the White Album, if I'm recalling correctly, and uh, yeah, that movie just shifted my whole brains for the rest of my life. Uh, it remained. It was my favorite movie in the world for years and years. And uh, yeah, all together now, especially for an eight-year-old, that's just such a great song. It's real simple. It's real fun. Boom, 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 boom. Sail the ship. Um, hey bulldog uh, it's only a few beatles songs but like frankie said that this is just every one of them is golden uh just hey i i loved hey bulldog I, I, all of these songs well all you need is love is kind of cheesy I, I have to say uh but they did lennon had a habit of doing that songs like imagine all you need is love. Uh, yeah, once in a while, he'd get all soft and sappy and whatever. And, of course, the incredibly long Harrison song, It's All Too Much, with that great organ and the 
Ringo is just it is very psychedelic the whole effect of that one and yeah that that Peter Max like Milton Glaser like artwork through the whole thing God, it, it's a great film and it, it unlike a lot of uh, psychedelic movies from the day uh, I posit that uh, Yellow Submarine stands tall and it's still an incredible film it was one of the first things released when people got vhs and i remember uh my friends uh billy bob and gary uh, the barton brothers uh had a copy and yeah we used to hang out at his house watch that and they had the videotapes another early vhs release uh all of the original gumby shorts which hadn't been seen at that point for years were uh, released and yeah we used to hang out at the the barton brothers house and watch uh yellow submarine and gumby and indulge in uh, illicit substances uh yeah that was a, that was a fun time and uh yeah the flip side well the, it's interesting because a memory came back uh while listening to this show hearing that music in the samples that frank played in fifth grade fourth grade we got to make a radio play you know they had books of radio plays and the teacher photo uh dittoed that's right it wasn't photocopied it was dittoed and we did a radio play and i got to do the sound effects and the music and that I used the music because I had two side twos and I only had the soundtrack music um, for the radio play in, in, in elementary school. That, that's like a freaky memory. Uh, it might have been fourth grade. I'm, I'm, I'm all confused here. But uh, yeah, the, the Beatles. Do you love the Beatles? Well, uh, once again, I'm going to tell you, you ought to participate in this. Uh, be a part of the Beatle magic on the Overnightscape Central. And that email address for you to send your review of the next album or any of the past albums or some just overview. Because, yeah, we're getting right up. I mean, after that is Let It Be. And then it's just specialty stuff, which there's a lot of that. I don't know how much of it we're going to go into, nor do I know... Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I want to do at least something that addresses all the solo albums, but I don't know if we should really go album by album again. Uh, if you have any uh, thoughts on that, uh, send me an email. The email address, which you will need to know, is and remains kpqr.torc at gmail.com. Once again, kpqr.torc at gmail.com. There's no real deadline, but uh, I would say by the 30th of uh, April, you should get it to me one way or another. And, and, and I know Frank will be right there, but I'm talking to you. You. Because uh, there have been some people who were participating. I mean, I don't know what happened to the good Rob. Like, what's happening to all of us? We just, it, it, there's so much stuff, and we're busy, and we're distracted, and uh, it's just a crazy and chaotic time. Uh, 
in this uh, reality tunnel. And the, the Beatles help. It helps immensely. So, um, yes, do join us next time. And there'll be good Beatles stuff. And I'm going to stop driveling and simply suggest that you set the controls for the heart of the fun.